0: Hello, and welcome back to the Sustainable Brown Girl podcast. This show exists to provide representation for women of color in the environmental space, to highlight their stories, and to educate the masses about how to be more eco-friendly every day. From gardening to thrifting, minimalism to veganism, sustainable business owners to influencers, environmentalists to activists we are all on a journey to taking better care of our bodies and our planet. I'm your host, Ariel Green. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Bookshop.org, a way to buy books online while helping local, independent bookstores. More about Bookshop later. As people who care deeply about the environment, Worrying about climate change and our impact on the planet can often be overwhelming. When the news is filled with negativity, it's easy to go down a dark rabbit hole. However, finding positive climate news and things to get excited about is so important for our mental health and drive to continue the fight for Mother Earth. In today's episode, we're chatting with our guest about how to maintain joy as an environmental activist. But before we get too deep into that, I want to remind you to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It's super easy to do on any Apple device. Just search for Sustainable Brown Girl Podcast and be sure to follow if you aren't already. Then scroll down to the review area. And I'm sure you want to leave a five-star review. So go ahead and do it. It really helps us with getting more people to discover the show. Be sure to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, and I will feature it in an upcoming episode. If you're not already, be sure to follow Sustainable Brown Girl on Instagram and use the hashtag Sustainable Brown Girl to be featured on the page. I love seeing what everyone's up to, their sustainable swaps, their outfit inspo. So I love sharing that on Instagram. Also, if you have a few dollars to spare, please consider becoming a Sustainable Brown Girl patron on Patreon. It really helps to keep the show going on a consistent basis, and you'll get access to some exclusive content. A link to the Patreon page is in the show notes. As always, your support is greatly appreciated. Today's featured Sustainable Brown Girl is Arielle King an environmental justice staff attorney at an environmental law think tank in Washington, D.C., and host of the intersectional environmentalist podcast, The Joy Report. Hi, Ariel. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, thank you for having me. Yay. So I always like to start each episode with learning a little bit more about your background and how your sustainable journey began. Yes,
1: of course. So I am originally from Albany, New York, um, specifically the south end of Albany, which is considered a frontline community. We experience a large variation of different pollution sources that have caused different types of health effects for my neighborhood. And so um, most of the kids I grew up with had different types of asthma and different types of cancer were very common. Um. And, and so I, I think I've always been aware of disparities and disparate impacts of environmental harm. Um, and I've always just been interested in protecting the planet. So starting in elementary school, when I first learned about global warming, I started advocating for improved Recycling at my elementary school. I had to start celebrating Earth Day, um, and we started doing tree plantings and all of that really fun stuff. I think from there, I I was really fortunate to have mentors who wanted to make sure that I developed and cultivated a love for nature and for the outdoors. And so, um, one mentor in particular, just he was so adamant about that and making sure that inner city kids had access and, and cultivated that love. And so um, I was able to learn how to go camping and rafting and all of these really, really beautiful things that I think a lot of my my classmates in elementary school and middle school certainly didn't have opportunities to do. And, and so with that love came a sense of obligation to continue advocating for this planet. And so I ended up doing environmental studies, environmental sustainability studies in undergrad with a concentration in political ecology where I really got to dive deep into understanding how culture and History impact environmental governance and our relationships to nature, and then I was like, let's let's do it, let's dive in. Um, and I did my senior thesis on the Flint, Michigan water crisis, which is where I learned about the history of environmental racism in the United States, and really looked at the ways that communities to come come together in the midst of political neglect and. Um, Yeah, ended up going to a master's program in environmental law and policy, and uh, recently finished a JD focused on environmental law and environmental justice and civil rights law. So that's that's kind of been my journey up until this point. so right now I am working as the environmental justice staff attorney at the Environmental Law Institute, which is a think tank in Washington, D.C., focusing on environmental law research and policy work. And I am also the host of Intersectional environmentalist new podcast called The Joy Report, all about climate optimism and environmental justice and kind of all things social, environmental and climate justice.
0: Yes. I love it. Oh my gosh, girl. All of the things. (laughs) Yeah. All the things. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I can just imagine little Ariel like out there doing her rafting and like just learning to care about the planet. Yes. So (laughs) when when you learned about global warming in Mm -hmm. elementary school, did you like immediately connect like the – asthma going on in your community with global warming, or was it something that, you know, as you started to learn more and more about climate change and like racial injustice and all of that, that you started to make those connections?
1: Yeah, it was more so the latter. I think when a lot of us first learned and encountered the idea of climate change or global warming, so much of the narrative was about the polar bears, right? Like it was, it was all focused on the natural environment and doing what we can to, protect biodiversity, which obviously is so important, but is just a part of the equation. And so it really wasn't until I got to college and started understanding um, about the racial injustice in a, a meaningful and like historic way and really understanding those intersections that I recognized that there, there was a
0: connection between the two there. Yeah, definitely. And I love that you were able to have access to outdoor activities because you're so right. Like growing up in an inner city, you just don't have access to that. And by being disconnected from the earth, like you just don't have that type of relationship where you realize how important it is to take care of the planet. Yeah, exactly. And and it's not for a lack of
1: desire, right? It's just right. A, a lack of access, mm-hmm. um, and and there's there's so much to be said about that, and and I'm really just so inspired by all of the work of activists and advocates who are making the outdoors more inclusive and are doing whatever is possible to get people of color outdoors and trying to reconnect us to nature, um, because we do have this inherent connection that, that has been kind of taken away from us. And so it's been really beautiful to see this emergence of, of a, I guess a reckoning and
0: reconnection to nature yeah. that has been happening. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so tell us more about how you got involved with intersectional environmentalists.
1: Yeah. Um, it's such a silly story because it, it kind they, the organization reached out to me, like, we we really are interested in working with you. We're, we're thinking of launching this podcast. Like, would you be interested in hosting? It's like, well, obviously. And especially <laughs> because the podcast is all about joy. I think there there's so much information out there that is focused on the doom and gloom associated with the climate crisis. Um, and, and I think a lot of us, especially in our generation and people younger than us, are so burnt out by the idea of climate change. Mm-hmm. And recognizing that just, to me, meant that we, we needed to do something to help reinvigorate people and recognize that Everyone has a role to play in this fight to protect our planet and, and it doesn't have to look the same and you don't have to have like a fancy degree to be able to get involved in this movement. And so, and there's just so much joy to be found in the work that people are doing and the, and the solutions that are coming out of the brilliant minds of people who may have historically been excluded from involvement in the environmental movement in the first place. Um, And so, I I just got so excited and inspired to be able to share the stories uh, and like share the solutions that people are coming up with. And so it was just an absolute yes. Um, And so at this point, we're halfway through the first season. It's been really exciting to dive into these topics and make sure that every episode ends with calls to action and just kind of other things you need to know about the world of positive climate news so that we can continue to be inspired and continue to learn more.
0: Yes, I love it so much. You are so right that it's easy to get caught up with just seeing all the negative news about, you know, climate change and politicians not doing what they're supposed to be doing. And it's like, you know, you can easily like go down a spiral. So how do you stay positive?
1: Um. I think the Joy Report has been really helpful in me staying optimistic. I think being able to research positive news that's happening in our world when so much scary stuff is happening has just been really grounding and really gratifying for me. Um, and, and also, of course, just remembering my why, like spending time outside in nature has just continued to bring me joy. It's like, this is, this is what we're fighting for. And I feel like mm-hmm. um, a lot of us, especially during COVID, have just been so stuck in our homes and we haven't had... The, the true and full opportunity to experience and remember why we're doing this work. And so any opportunity I get to go on a hike or even just spend some time like, you know, getting, you know, sun rays on my face, I'm, I'm just grateful. And that really just brings me a lot of joy and a lot of peace.
0: Yeah, definitely. I like to garden and yeah. that's just been like, you know, so refreshing, you know, it's a great way to get some vitamin D mm-hmm. and, you know, all that. And so it's definitely, it's so important to get out there and, you know, spend some time in Mother Nature. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Has there been any um, positive climate news that that you've been excited about lately? Ooh, um,
1: I'm really excited about all of the advancements in the Biden administration right now. Like just recently we have seen a new um environmental justice office at doj um, the department of justice we've also seen one recently launched at the department of health and human services i think that there is an, a newfound recognition that we cannot just rely on one agency to be the the, the sole i guess leader of climate and environmental work this is uh, a movement that requires diversity of thought, diversity of input, diversity of considerations. And so I I think I'm just really inspired right now, seeing all of the ways that we, um, government is working to tackle the climate crisis. And also, um, all of the like renewable energy projects have been really exciting. And I'm always inspired by the work of activists who are working actively against fossil fuel companies and fossil fuel projects. And so we're seeing lots of wins on that front these days. And that's um, very exciting. So yes, Yes. those are some of the things these days.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I love that. So tell us more about your role as an environmental justice staff attorney. Like, what all does that entail? What do you do every day?
1: Yeah. So, um, at my role, well, first, my organization is non litigation and non advocacy focused. So we, primarily we are a think tank. We think we do research and we create model policies. We create model ordinances so that um, municipalities can be more informed in their decision making. So some of the work that I'm doing right now is through a program called EJ and the Law. It's in partnership with Howard University School of Law. So a group of students have worked with me to develop a series of updates, monthly updates on environmental justice laws and regulations and cases that we are seeing at the state and federal level. It's kind of the first time that there has been a consolidated of survey of all that's happening in the world of EJ law. And it's also the first time that there's been enough EJ law to report on um, like this. So it's just been a very exciting time. Um, And so some of the other other projects that we have at um, the Environmental Law Institute related to EJ are our pro bono clearinghouse, where there are clinics and organizations that do litigation. If they're not able to take on a case related to environmental justice, they pass that case along to us. And we have attorneys opt in to the clearinghouse so that they can find cases and then provide free legal services to communities and individuals who are experiencing adverse environmental harm in one way or another. So um, that recently launched. and We're really excited about continuing to you know, build that out and provide that resource to as many people as possible.
0: Yeah, wow, that's so important because, you know, just seeing how so many communities of color are being targeted kind of with environmental racism, you know, there definitely needs to be more support in that arena. Mm -hmm.
1: Absolutely, Yeah.
0: yeah. So what are your, like, What's your goal as an activist or as a you know attorney? Like, what do you what do you want to do in the environmental field? Yeah, um, oof, what a question.
1: There's so so many things. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I I really want to be a part of the the next stage of environmental governance. I think that we are at this really critical moment where there's a recognition that the way the status quo has been insufficient in protecting people, and it has actually harmed people um, because the ways that our environmental laws were created, the way they were written, the way they were designed, was not only in a very homogenous way, it was done predominantly by white, cis, male male people, um, but it also, you know, didn't prioritize and center health um in, in the ways that, that it needs to. And so I'm I'm excited to one, make sure that more people are informed and more people get involved in this movement. That's something I'm really passionate about. And I want to continue making environmental education and information accessible to all people. Um, and I and I yeah I want to help be a part of this, this shift that we're seeing um, to make environmental enforcement and environmental protection more equitable and to work to right the wrong the historic wrongs that we have seen
0: um, in, in that field and in that sector. Yeah, I love that. Are there any specific laws that you think should be passed, like first and foremost, that would be most beneficial?
1: Um, hmm. uh... There's there's a lot of work that needs to get done. Um right. I, I would say I'm I'm very inspired and excited by states who are taking on environmental justice like with full force. So one of the greatest examples of that is the New Jersey environmental justice law that was passed recently. So that law really focuses on the fact that if there is a a permit and a permit application goes in for a new facility or an expansion of a facility or just renewing that permit. Um, it this law requires and allows the the government to stop. And like say no to that petition if there is a recognition that there will be adverse harm to um, communities who are already disproportionately impacted by environmental hazards. And so this is actually like the first time that something like that has occurred, which, you know, saying it out loud, it's like, well, why not? Like, why is this the first time? Because it seems so simple. Um, Mm -hmm. So much of environmental justice work just feels when you say it out loud is so simple like all people deserve the right to a clean and healthy environment people deserve to like drink clean water people deserve to have clean soil that isn't contaminated with pollutants around their homes so that they can you know start a garden if they wanted to like these are very simple things um but it takes a lot of work to get there because of the way that environmental racism has contributed to the disproportionate impacts of pollutants and of just environmental hazards as a whole in the United States and
0: internationally. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Special thanks to bookshop.org for sponsoring this episode. Bookshop is an online bookstore with a mission to help local independent bookstores thrive in the age of e-commerce. Rather than buying books from large retailers with questionable ethics, by shopping with bookshop.org, you can choose an independent bookstore in your neighborhood to receive the profits. Certified as a B Corp, bookshop.org puts their mission and the public good above financial interests, giving over 80% of their profit margin to independent bookstores. They're also a climate neutral company committed to operating sustainably. We've curated a list of books written by fellow sustainable Brown girls, some who've been guests on the podcast. One book that I recommend checking out is The Intersectional Environmentalist by Leah Thomas, which examines the link between environmentalism, racism, and privilege while promoting the truth that we cannot save the planet without uplifting often unheard voices. To order The Intersectional Environmentalist from bookshop.org, or to see other books on our curated list, visit bookshop.org shop slash sustainable brown girl or click the link in the show notes. Bookshop is offering a 10% discount for our listeners. Use code SBG10 by Friday, August 19th for 10% off. Thanks again, Bookshop, for sponsoring this episode. So you mentioned earlier that you were excited about some of the um, initiatives Biden is doing. Is there anything else that I mean, of course, we could always be doing more. But like as individuals, what is something that you think that we could do to kind of, you know, encourage our politicians to, you know, try to try to be more active? Yeah, um, I I think there, there
1: are definitely lots of ways that people can can get involved in, in this movement and work to hold local leaders accountable. One, I think, is starting at the local level and recognizing that the most impactful and probably the more expedient type of change can happen at the local level mm-hmm. and really working within your local governments to make sure that there are ordinances protecting you know pollutants and just making sure that people are receiving the same level of protection that that is necessary. Um, and I, I think so much of environmental policymaking and environmental lawmaking could be improved just by listening. Um, one really important element of the environmental justice movement is really just this idea of self determination and making sure that. People who are going to be impacted by decisions are involved in the decision-making process, um, which again seems very simple, but you know does not happen nearly enough. And mm-hmm. we, you know, we've learned time and time again that when you make decisions on someone else's behalf without consulting them, it leads to decisions that are contrary to the needs of those who are being impacted. Yeah. And so that has happened in the environmental field forever. And so. Um, I think making sure that people are getting engaged in local organizing to make sure that their local governments are are doing what needs to be done I think is a really important step. Also there are tons and tons of different organizations that put together petitions for, you know, federal government to do more. So there are tons of things that people can look up online. I think doing your own research is really important in this work. And also just making sure that we are continuing to talk about these issues and making them, uh, I guess, a part of our national consensus and understanding. I think we need to shift towards making solutions a part of this national consensus and understanding. We think we're almost past a point now th- that like people don't know what the issues are, right? And I think that if you don't know what the issues are, it means that you're like actively ignoring them or you're like actively opposing them because you are benefiting somehow from the status quo, right? Benefiting from the way that things are right now. Um, and so th- I think that the more that people are talking about what needs to change and what solutions look like, the the more accountable Uh, our local leaders and our you know all of our uh, officials and decision makers can be
0: yeah 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 (laughs) that's a very long-winded answer I'm sorry no no that was great (laughs) that was great it is really important to be informed and know you know what all of the issues are both both locally and federally absolutely because if you don't know like you can't do anything about it and you know I think we're in in more informed time where we have access to so much more information. And, you know, we have accounts like intersectional environmentalists who's like, you know, keeping us updated with all the information. (laughs) So it's like, you know, we have no reason not to know what's going on and to, you know, find ways to get involved how, you know, however we can.
1: Absolutely. Yes. Yes.
0: (laughs) Yes. So now I kind of want to talk more about art. Like okay yeah yeah let's I, do it <laughs> yeah let's do it let's you know get a little bit lighter yeah <laughs> <laughs> so tell us like what is what is art to you and like how how can art have a role in environmental activism
1: oh man um such a beautiful question art to me is a form of expression and communication i think it's it's a way that thing is a lot more accessible than words a lot of times it's more universal than words a lot of times and and art has always been a part of movement building and i think we can't have a full robust and accessible movement to protect and preserve this planet if art is not present mm. and and i think um i think Inter- intersectional environmentalist does such a great job at centering that in our work. Um, we have an incredible graphic design team who creates these graphics that really just kind of show these these important works and important issues. We we try really hard to make our designs accessible and readable, but also engaging. Um, and and I, I just think... There's, there's so much that art can do to m- make more people want to get involved in this movement. Um, and so recently, IE hosted an Earth Sessions. Um, it's our new one of our new projects. And we hosted one in New York City in April. And it was an opportunity for people to come together and share and be joyful. There were musicians, there were panelists who were talking about important issues. There were um, organizations that people could learn more about and get involved with, and you know, we we intend to do more of these all over. Um, but I think that that one in person event really kind of exemplified what we are trying to create. We're trying to create a movement that is joyful, that um, integrates play and pleasure, and but, but it's also really deep deeply thoughtful and intentional and inclusive and yeah I, I think that art is really the only way that we can achieve those things
0: yes I love that so much I love how incorporating art is is a great way like you said to bring joy because just like by doing art it's like a form of expression and release yeah. and you know it can really just make things better absolutely absolutely do you do any type of art yourself? Oh, um, well, I sing a
1: bit, um, I, and I, I used to sing a lot more, and yeah. and I think it's something that I'm like interested in getting into again. Um, but that's that's kind of my main medium. Um, I mm-hmm. I like painting. I wouldn't say I'm good at painting. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I yeah I. I I think I'm more an art admirer than, than an artist. Um, Yes. 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 Same. Same.
0: (laughs) Sometimes I feel like, um, doing social media can be a form of art because. You know what? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you, uh, you host the IE TikTok. So, you know, how do you, how do you come up with things for that?
1: Oh man. Um, It varies. It really varies. Uh, I I think I, I try really hard to make sure that I am remembering kind of why IE exists, right? We work really hard to amplify the voices of people who have been excluded or overlooked and under amplified in the environmental movement. So the work that I am trying to do on our TikTok page is not only share information about what's going on in the world of IE, but also introduce people to under amplified voices in them in this movement. And so um, for the month of February, for example, did a series on like black environmentalists who have and climate leaders who have changed the environmental and climate discourse did the same thing for Women's History Month and really focused on BIPOC women from all over the world who have contributed to the environmental movement, um, and and that work was so well received on social media. I it was so beautiful to see how many people were like, I I had no idea this person existed, and right. and wanting to learn more and wanting to figure out like. Are there more people like this? And of course there are. And why didn't I hear about this person when I was doing my environmental studies coursework? And and the answer is environmental racism and, and just the ways that the environmental movement have emerged and lifted up certain voices and literally excluded others. And and so I think that's that's kind of why I I'm excited to be on a growing app like TikTok is just like the potential for reach and the potential to engage with audiences who one may have never experienced IE um, because we are primarily on Instagram, but also to just make sure that people are receiving meaningful information and figuring out like calls to action that make sure that like people are engaged and, you know, staying connected to this movement and continuing to learn more and and evolve.
0: Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, it's so important to share all of the um, people of color who have had an impact on the environmental movement because, yeah. like, we have been doing the work. You know, been doing this. <laughs> like we've so- been out here. <laughs> like, yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, So being able to share that information and showing people like, come on, this is not new. Right. Um, is so important. Yeah, it's yeah. so
1: important.
0: <laughs> yes. Well, Ariel, it has been such a pleasure having you on. Oh, yes. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Yeah. So one of our last questions is what does being a sustainable brown girl mean to you? Yay! Um, being
1: a sustainable brown girl to me means doing what I can to limit my individual impact, recognizing that that's you know a, a metric that you know matters but doesn't matter. But also making sure that I can advocate for people who look like me and make sure that people are engaged in the sustainable work themselves. I think you know individual actions are not what make change it's individuals contributing to collective action and so you know if if i'm leading by example and i'm showing people what i'm doing i hope that others will be inspired to to do the same and potentially go further and continue this movement um yeah and and i think that being a sustainable brown girl for me also just means being an example for the younger generation i i think i really would have Benefited from seeing more women who look like me in the environmental field when I first started and when I was considering a major, and when I was, you know, at these climate rallies in my hometown and in, you know, in these other places. I I really think I would have benefited from seeing and knowing that there were other brown girls who were contributing to this movement and making. Tremendous strides that are, you know, have like huge ripple effects. So, I if if I can use my platform to show that we can be in this space and that we are in this space and that we've actually always been in this space, um, then I think I'm doing it right, and I think that I'm being a sustainable brown girl in the right way. Yes, I love it
0: so much. (laughs) You totally are. You are a major inspiration. And I know other little black and brown girls around the world are, you know, going to look up to you and be inspired and, you know, see that they can do whatever it is that they want to do in the environmental field. Absolutely. Yeah. So thank thank you you so much for sharing. And let everybody know how they can find you online, how they can support you.
1: Yes, of course. So, um, I am at Ariel V King on all social media platforms and you can check out my work with intersectional environmentalist on our Instagram page at intersectional environmentalist and on our TikTok page. Um, and then I would encourage you all to listen to the joy report. It's available on all streaming platforms. Um, yeah, we're, we're really excited about about this podcast and uh, the potential that it has. So yeah, if you could you know <laughs> support that, we'd be really appreciative for sure.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We yes. will definitely be supporting you. We'll put all the yeah. links in the show notes. Thank you. And yes. Once again, thanks so much for taking the time for coming on.
1: Oh, yes. Thank you again
0: for having me. It's really been a pleasure to have this conversation with you. Thanks again to bookshop.org for sponsoring this podcast episode. To see the books on our curated list, visit bookshop.org shop slash sustainable brown girl or click the links in the show notes. And don't forget to save 10% with SBG 10 before August 19th. If you want to keep the conversation going, follow us at Sustainable Brown Girl on Instagram and Facebook. Check out the website at SustainableBrownGirl.com and send any questions, comments, or topic ideas to podcast at SustainableBrownGirl.com. Be sure to leave a review on Apple Podcasts and tell your friends about your favorite episode. Donate to Patreon if you can, and be sure to watch the full video interview on YouTube. Until next time, let's continue to make better choices for the health of our bodies and the planet.